Lee in Washington. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Alex Jones. I've been waiting a long time to talk to you. Anyways, I just wanted to say, um, I remember back in the day, uh, Y2K, the Bill Cooper incident, and you smoking Luis Mejo Rogan. Now you lost your kids, and I'm so happy about that, dude. If I ever seen you in real life, I would smack the shit out of you. I uh, would we'll delay that because we can't have cussing. I've never taken DMT. End of day. The freedom of speech is being taken away. They die. Welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I'm a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First-time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Live and direct right now on the TuneIn Radio app. Search End of Days and you'll find the 24-7 network. Go to michaeldeacon.com for your preferred choice of platform to hear the podcast rendition of this program. My guest tonight is Reverend John Marcus Pope. He is an international metaphysical minister a Reiki master teacher and a medium. He holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in broadcasting and another Bachelor of Arts degree in metaphysics from the University of Sedona. The university granted John the title of International Metaphysical Minister after his studies were completed. He is the author of the book, Yahweh, The Biblical God is an Alien. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Always an honor and pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for listening to this program. For those who are new in attendance, let me take a moment to reintroduce myself to all of you out there. My name is Michael, and I am the host and creator of this very unique program, this is a call-in show. Please feel free to call in whenever your hearts desire. I'm always willing to talk to you out there. That number is 760-332-8947. One more time, 760-332-8947 or on Skype, end of days, Mike with the letter Y and not the letter I. Welcome back to another edition of the Michael Deacon program. I hope you all stick around 
and let me deprogram all of you. So many of you out there desperately need it. Hello, boys and girls. Feels nice being here on a Tuesday evening. Hope all is well for everyone out there listening to the sound of my voice. Let's get this started. Bear with me, folks. John, is that you? This is. Michael, how you doing, brother? I am fantastic. I can't complain. Excellent. Yes. How are you, John? I'm smashing good. Thank you for inquiring. Yes, it's an honor and pleasure to speak to you. This has been a long time coming. It has. It has. I've I've seen you online on Twitter for, I don't know, probably over a year now. And I'm like, I want to get on this guy's show and I want to just open a dialogue with him and talk to him. And it's finally come to fruition. It has. So here we go. Oh, yeah. So much to discuss here. But before we do, let's start to let's start with the basics here. Let's go back to your roots, John. Let's go back to some of your earliest memories. And it seems like you have had a quite the experience at such an early age with things that are, I guess you can say, taboo. Uh, you could go there. Um, when I was five years old, my mom turned me on to the Ouija board. And I, I don't necessarily endorse the Ouija board, but that was my first introduction into the spirit world. And I, I can remember I'm five years old and we're doing the Ouija board and it's moving around. And, um, mom is saying, are you moving it? And I'm saying, no, are you moving it? No, are you moving it? No, are you moving it? You know, who's moving it? And it was moving. And I honestly believe I was not moving it. I honestly believe that she wasn't pushing it around to make me feel good about myself, that it was actually moving and that it opened a vortex of spirituality into both of our lives now that's interesting that you say that how were you introduced to i guess you can say the ouija board did your mom present this as some sort of game to you or what um no it was never a game um when i was a kid uh my mom introduced to me the concept of angels and spirituality extraterrestrials when i was four and five years old, and I actually understood it very easily and embraced it and lived it. So it, it was never a game. It wasn't, you know, Hasbro or right like that at all. It was it was just as real as it could be talking to the spirit world, and that's the way I understood it at five, and that's the way I understand it now. My goodness. So, yes, you thought this was basically uh, normal for you, right? Yeah, it it is normal for me. <laughs> well, I mean, kids, you're well, at that age probably weren't into the same sort of thing, you know. Uh, no, no, good point. Um, I mean, Ouija boards were halfway popular back back then, but um, my dad was a university president and my mom worked for the government. Mm. So <laughs> I see. So, yeah, so it, it wasn't you know anything that we talked about you know around the Yule Yuletide. Uh, you know, cooking s'mores and stuff over the campfire with the neighbors. No, we never talked about it. I see. Yes. When did extraterrestrials come into your life? Um, right around the same age. Same age. Hmm. That's interesting. Was your mother also someone who experienced strange lights in the sky? Yeah. Uh, yes, she was. And then, um, her brother, my uncle, uh, so get this. My mom was mm-hmm. the oldest of nine in an Italian family. And, uh, she was, I don't know, she was the oldest and maybe the third or fourth, uh, in age below her, my uncle, uh, who's totally will not talk about it in any way whatsoever, Mm -hmm. but it was very common for him to knock on the front door of their Italian home in Dallas, Texas, when he was five years old, 
six and seven and eight years old, knock on the door at eight in the morning or at five in the morning. And um, my grandfather would spank him thinking that he snuck <laughs> out of the house. Yeah. Uh, but he also he shared a bedroom with uh, two or three of my uncles also. And nobody ever woke up during his abductions ever. Nobody. And there's 11 people in the house. Nobody ever woke up. Never. Nobody ever saw him leave the house. Uh, they would just be witness to him knocking on the door at five or six in the morning upon his return. Mm, and yeah. uh, this, this went on for a number of years when he was a kid also. I have theories about all these things. But before I get into that, it, it seems like there's some sort of strange pattern for those who experience these strange lights in the sky. It seems like a relative, a mother, a father, a brother or sister also saw something previously before. It does. It does run in family lines. Mm -hmm. it, it goes through blood lineage. And uh, what I believe it to be is that uh, um, people that get abducted like myself often have a larger concentration of extraterrestrial blood that courses through their veins. And they more than often don't even know that it is. Yes. And about your cousin, right, who was being abducted. Um, my uncle, but yeah. Your uncle, rather, sorry. And and no one else witnessed him being abducted, correct? No, no, nobody. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. he, you got to figure, he, he's sleeping with two of my uncles in the same bedroom. Right. And this happened for years. Yeah. Nobody ever saw mm -hmm. him leave the room. Uh, my, my uncles were told to watch their brother to make sure he didn't sneak out of the house. And they never caught him, ever. Yes. Here's my theory on that. I feel that perhaps... This phenomenon of abductions, um, extraterrestrial abductions, I think there's a physical and a astral uh, abduction that that's in there as well. I think I think he was being abducted through the astral plane. Yeah, there is such a thing called a psychic abduction where they don't necessarily have to take your body. They can take your body, but they Correct. don't necessarily have to. Yes, they can basically pull you sideways into an alternate dimension upon you sleeping and and you said it yourself when you're sleeping you are on the astral plane you yeah. are within the realm of the gods and that would explain countless stories of of them coming through walls or you being passing through a wall or a window without feeling it that would explain a lot uh yes yes um there is there's multiple forms of radiation that we do not know and do not understand and one of those forms of radiation actually consist of what you call neutrinos and neutrinos are physical atoms that can pass through other physical atoms so two physical objects made of neutrinos can physically pass through one another and then rematerialize on the other side once they cross over each other that there's some sense. kind of form of radiation manipulation technology that is esoteric to us that is hard to understand that is very common and very basic to advanced ETs, and it's just part of their basic abduction technology. What about our cell phones? Who knows how much radiation is coming from that thing, especially with all the Wi-Fi signals bouncing up and down? Um, interesting you say that. In the country of France, they have banned Wi-Fi. Oh, really? They, they, they banned mm -hmm. Wi-Fi in elementary and um, kindergartens because of cancer. Telling you. See, there, there's no real long research into into this yet about what what's causing or what's gonna eventually i'm assuming here state that part it's just an opinion i honestly believe these signals are going to cause some sort of damage or going to impact the way we i'm not going to say the way we think because obviously it, it let me just stop there and say social media 
has controlled us for the better part of the last five years. Would you agree or disagree with that in terms of the masses and how easy or how easily they are decepted? Absolutely. And, um, you know, I try and fight it with everything in me. And what do I do? I'm an enabler. I'm absolutely part of the problem here. I'm addicted to Twitter. We all I, are, though. That, and I kind of like it, actually. We're, we're guilty. <laughs> we are all guilty of this. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm totally get my fix. It's a double-edged sword because the Internet is so powerful and so great, and we're able to communicate um, through this this um this plexiglass box here in front of me. Yeah, absolutely. And um I, you know there's there's research out there now. It's been around long enough for there to be enough research out there, quantitative and qualitative research to demonstrate that um it, once you get hooked on social media, especially social media, you start to produce cortisol, which is is a stress hormone when you hear your phone beep and you don't check it. You hear your phone beep you know, and your phone makes different sounds for different things. You know the difference between a text and a message or something off of Twitter, etc. Uh, your body will start to pump cortisol into your bloodstream until you go and check your phone. And that's when you'll get that serotonin rush. Yeah, exactly. So there is research to defend um, and uphold exactly what we're talking about right now. Oh, yes. It's quite phenomenal. And... Another thing I do want to mention here is, you know, there's this story that I've been hearing for years, and it's a story that you wrote about, about these extraterrestrials showing up at a conference. And it's funny because the last time I was at a conference, it was the Conscious Life Expo just this year earlier, and someone randomly had mentioned it while I was in line. And I kept thinking, lots of people keep randomly bringing this up. And I had no idea that you wrote a book about this. Really? What What did you hear? What What was said or spoken? I just heard this um, this group of ladies talking amongst themselves. And I wasn't trying to eavesdrop there, but I heard them over saying that, oh, extraterrestrials showed up at one of these conferences. And, um, maybe there's one here today. And, uh, you know, I heard things like that. And... What was weird is I saw a, a gentleman, an older gentleman, who was with a, a woman and very tall. She was very tall. They were both very, very tall. And they moved pretty pretty quickly for being that age. He moved pretty fast, which was kind of unusual. I'll just leave it at that. You know, I believe at all of these conferences, there's at least human-alien hybrids that are wearing meat suits. They're hiding in plain sight. You can't pick them out from anybody else. And a lot of the time, they don't even realize that they're a human-alien hybrid. Uh, they're just drawn to these events. Um, some kind of, uh, you know, cosmic magnetism pulls them there, and they feel comfortable there. Because when you go to UFO conferences... The majority of the attendees and the speakers have more extraterrestrial blood and genetics in them than perhaps the next person. I mean, we're all hybrids, but attendees of these conferences, speakers of these conferences, we're all drawn to this genre uh, with complete and total devotion and passion beyond our comprehension. And it <clears throat> makes you question why am I so driven by this? And it's because it's your own blood lineage that pulls you to it. Yes, I can't disagree with that. And of course, most of the people that go to these conferences 
most likely have seen something in the sky themselves. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When I was at contact in the desert last month, I saw at least 20 UFOs. And every time I saw one, I was with a group of witnesses. So I never I never saw one of them by myself. I, I was always, always within a group of witnesses every time we saw anything, which was incredibly cool. Nice. Now let's talk about your book here, Yahweh, the biblical God is an alien. How long did it take you to write that book? Mm, uh, about a year and a half. Not too long, right? Um. Well, in the world of writing books, you know, it, it, I, yeah, I, I guess so. Um. I had a I had a number of articles donated to the book. Also, um. Dr. Rudy Schild, emeritus professor of astrophysics from the Harvard Smithsonian. He donated an article on the quantum hologram theory. Uh, Ray Hernandez of Dr. Edgar Mitchell's Free, the Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial Encounters. He donated an article on the quantum hologram theory. Uh, Audrey Starborn Hewins, who put on the UFO conference in which 20 of us, including myself, saw the blue beings at the UFO conference, which you spoke of earlier. She donated an article to that book. So I would say probably 140 or more pages of it was actually me uh, translating my my downloads and my pontifications into script and text. Yes. And what's the reaction when you first show someone this book who, let's say, is a Christian? Uh, confusion, conflict, um, confrontation. And that's exactly what I want, actually, because these subjects don't necessarily need to be so foreign to us anymore. We need to talk about this. We need to understand that religion divides us and causes wars, causes hate, causes disdain, causes fear between the races, between the nationalities, between our cultures, and has done nothing but make us fight and want to kill each other and have one religion rise up above all the others. Uh, that's weak. It's a weakness that is instilled in us uh, through our genetic makeup, and it was done on purpose by extraterrestrials to keep us fighting with each other so that we actually lose a sight of who's really in charge, which is them. I guess one of the bigger arguments out there, well, one of them, I've heard different different arguments from different Christians out there. One of them was, if aliens were proved to exist, how would that discovery impact the Christian faith? I've heard this a number of times before. Have you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. In 2008, the Vatican came out and said that the belief in extraterrestrials does not conflict with a belief in God. And I completely and totally agree with that. However, the whole statement is out of context because the Vatican is explaining it as if God is represented in the Bible. God is not represented in the Bible. An extraterrestrial named Yahweh or Enlil of the Anunnaki who would kill his own animals and drain their blood before he cooked them and ate them. So this is Old Testament scripture. Yahweh would kill animals. This is God now. Would kill animals, drain their blood before he cooked them and ate them. So now God in the Bible cooks and eats animals. You know, I was just talking about vampires a few nights ago, and I mentioned Lilith who I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with, with Babylonian history. Yeah, also mentioned in the Talmud, was, but yes. Was that a vampire? Was that the first recorded vampire? That was Adam's first wife. So Adam and Eve are the first two humans? Well, no, not if you go back into Scripture. You look at the Hebrew Bible, 
the uh, Zohar, the Talmud. No, Adam and Eve were not the two first human beings. Uh, there's also what you call the pre-Adamites, which are humans that lived before Adam and Eve. But right. yes, she was described to the T as a vampiress. And to me, vampires are actually uh, reptilians. They're human reptilian hybrids. That's why they drink blood. And one way to tell, and this is not foolproof mm -hmm. and not 100%, but one way to tell, we all have reptilian blood in us, whether we think we do or not. There's actually a reptilian part of our brain. There's a mammalian, as in mammal part of our brain. Uh, fetuses have a tail until uh, somewhere in the second trimester. But if you like your meat bloody, if you like your prime rib a little bloody, then you probably have more reptilian blood in you than you realize. <laughs> oh, yes. The reptilian brain. I love talking about that myself. But, you know, l let's talk more about your experience with extraterrestrials. I, I, I do love talking about that. And I, I also have been wondering this as well. You've done plenty of interviews. Has there been anything you haven't disclosed yet for any purpose? Um, I, you know, outside of maybe some very personal right. abduction things that have happened to me. Oh, okay. See, now we're getting somewhere. I knew there was uh, something. I, I'll talk about it, though. I mean, I really don't like to hold back anything. I, I would really appreciate that if you did. Um. Uh, okay, so uh, whenever, and not not always, but often, when I'm around hardcore abductees that are going through what I'm going through, often I will bleed. I will bleed all over myself. Really? Bad. And I talked to um, a clinical hypnotherapist who's a brilliant interview. If you ever have a chance to interview her, her name is uh, Lori McDonald. She's won awards in hypnotherapy, and she deals a lot with experiencers and abductees. Uh, but four years in a row winning awards in the Sacramento area of California. But she was telling me that um, she said, so it's coming out of your nose, right? I'm like, yes. And she said, it's it's always out of the left nostril, right? And I said, yeah. She said, that's your implant. I'm like, really? She Ooh. said, yeah, that's exactly what it is. She said, it's always the left side. I'm like, yeah, it's always, it's always the left side. For whatever reason, uh, they want to go in through the left side. Uh, the left side of your brain is controls the right side of your body and the right side of your brain controls the left side of your body and it has something to do with that. I can't exactly be sure. Um, but that does happen to me, uh, at some frequency. That's for sure. Wow, that doesn't sound very comforting. Uh, no, no, but, um, you know, and it, it, it often happens in very inopportune times, you know, like when I'm in huge groups of people around at, at UFO conferences is often when it happens. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's not, it, it's, it almost always happens at, at very, you know, inauspicious times, but, um, I just, I just go into private and deal with it. And then when I'm done, I go back into public and act like it didn't happen. Yeah. I understand that must be a little strange for you to experience time and time again, right? Uh, yeah. You know, it happened, um, at contact in the desert. Um, we were, I was at a party with a bunch of people and, uh, I just, it was very strange. This guy never met him before. I, it's funny, I never saw him before and I never saw him again after this, but he was at this party and he walks up to me and says, Reverend, Reverend Polk. I s yeah, yeah. And he's like, I was told that I need to talk to you. Um, and I had, I had to pee real bad, but I'm like, uh, uh, okay. 
all right, you know, please talk to me. If somebody wants to talk to me that bad, I'm going to listen. Right. And he starts telling me his abduction story and he went through such incredible roller coaster emotion right in front of me and started crying. So the next Uh-oh. thing I know, I'm in, I'm in a parking lot hugging a grown man and we're both crying. That's so funny. <laughs> we're both crying. <laughs> and it was cathartic and necessary for him actually. And then, uh, and then that's when I started bleeding. I'm like, you know, I have, please, I have to break away. I have to go to the bathroom. But if you just wait here, give me a few minutes. And I didn't know I was going to bleed at this point. I came back maybe 20, 30 minutes later and I never saw him again. Uh, it was almost like, it was almost like he was an ET. I, I don't know. It was too strange because I had asked people if they saw him and nobody even knew who I was talking about. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, was it a figment of my imagination? Uh, I don't think so, but can't that, yeah, that is pretty unusual. Some strange man coming up to you and you having this, um, very intimate moment with him, I guess you can say. Uh, it, it was, it was, it was very personal. I mean, you know, w- we cried and no one even know, who, no one even knew who he was. No, no. And, um, I, you know, I didn't know everybody there, but I knew most everybody there or at least knew them by face. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't, I'd never seen this guy before. I never saw him again. Uh, he either left the party immediately afterwards. I mean, it was fairly big, but it wasn't that big that I would have never seen the guy if he had stayed and hung out. Um, I don't know. It was, it was strange. It, it begged the question, you know, what the flip just happened? <laughs> so. I mean, I don't blame you. I would probably have said the same thing. And I remember being out there at, at Joshua Tree. It's a very unusual spot to be. When did you go? Uh, last year in 2016. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, man. Almost everybody that I talked to saw at least one UFO, if not multiple UFOs while we were out there. And it's also interesting that the largest Marines base in the yeah, world there. Is, is out there. And I know why. It's because it's a vortex. They're constantly monitoring this vortex area. Um, just for obvious reasons, if I'm the U.S. military government and I had located a vortex area, I'm going to have a military presence there. I'm going to be doing constant research, diagnostics, surveillance um, at all times on the area, always uh, for obvious reasons to learn, to understand and also to possibly pirate their technology. Also, interesting. Yes, it's a very strange place. I recommend everyone to go out there at least once in your life. And another another thing I did want to mention here was the statement that you've made in your book about in the near future you are arrested for child pornography or um rape, murder or hookers or, or drugs like you said. Um that makes me think of another gentleman named Stan Romanick. Is that what you're referring yes. to? Uh, I'm not referring to him, but I know the story in and out, and um, you can go there. Absolutely. Hmm. What exactly is your opinion on all that? If you, uh, you have know, one. there's there's a number of schools of thought as to whether he's a fraud or not. Um, there's uh, a number of schools of thought out there as to whether I'm a fraud or not, and I, I tend to believe the guy. I believe his wife. I don't think that they're making it up. I do believe that they're being harassed, if not constantly monitored, and it's no joke. It's and it's no laughing matter at all. And I believe it's very, very real. I could see both sides of the coin. Now, are you still channeling? I'm always channeling. Constantly. 
Um, you know what? We all are, and we just don't realize don't it. Don't realize it, yeah. Not all the thoughts that we think are generated by our own minds. Uh, E.T. engineered our minds so that they could easily remotely activate our pineal gland. Also, our prefrontal cortex is easily manipulatable to the point where uh, through what you call ELF waves, psy- psychotronics, radionics, mm-hmm. you can send you can send right. waves into people's minds and manipulate and incite behavior. So you can send certain waves and make two people love each other. You can send two waves or send waves and make people fight to the death. You can send waves and uh, enable people to achieve a state of incredible deep meditation on the astral plane. It's amazing how simple it is to manipulate the human mind. Yes, there's even police now that have this technology to control crowds that are rioting. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, um, a girl that I was with a long time ago, her brother went to the Persian Gulf War and served in Iraq. And I don't know if you can remember this, but I believe it was back in 1991. The Iraqis were waving white flags and forming a line and following this line into a mass exodus, into a concentration camp, basically. Um, my my girl, my former girlfriend's brother told me that that was all done by a sonar technology. Yes, um, long-range acoustic device. Well, you know about it just like I do, or maybe even more. But yeah, there was no spoken words. It was all done through sonar, which is a sound wave technology, which is old technology and easy to achieve, actually. Yes, there's lots of things that I'd like to talk about here on this program, but I necessarily can't. Um, I, I have family and friends in, in different branches of different places, <laughs> but I don't like to, I don't like to talk about that sort of thing because that will get me in um, lots of hot water. Well, we'll go in whatever direction you want to. Oh, yes, but for sure, this technology exists, and it's very powerful indeed. Now, another subject that, well, I should say another topic that is very popular is disclosure. We we keep talking about disclosure. We keep hearing about disclosure, disclosure. Why are we getting beaten over the head with this so much? Um, Because it's time. It's been time. Is it really uh, going to happen, though, John? Finally. You know, this is this is my take on it, is that the Illuminati, the cabal, whatever you want to call them, they will do everything in their power to make sure it never, ever, never, ever happens. We will go to a World War Three with full on nukes before they would allow it to happen because they'll lose control. They'll lose control over the people. But more importantly to them, they'll lose control over money. And so they will do anything and everything in their power to thwart the efforts of disclosure becoming a reality. So what I believe is going to happen is that disclosure will happen. And I hear a lot from experiencers. Well, the experiencers are going to be disclosure. Well, I'm not buying that either. Um, what I do believe will happen is it, I believe it's going to be kind of like Independence Day, where these motherships are going to end up hovering over some of the biggest biggest cities in the world to the point where it's undeniable just like in the movie Independence Day, because I don't see any other way that it's going to happen. Well, thank you for that segue there, because it seems like you walked right into my second question here. And I do that all the time. I love it. <laughs> yes, it's perfect. So where were you when the Phoenix Lights incident took place? I was uh, I lived in Florida 
Actually, I was, uh, I was, uh, a sales manager at Walt Disney World. Do you recall and, seeing that live, by the way? Uh, you know what? Um, I, you know, I was a big believer in it back then, but I, I just didn't know, I didn't have the research on it. I didn't really do any research. I was just a believer and I didn't really read any books on it. Um, I had a very successful, successful career in sales. I didn't work for Disney, but I worked on Disney property. Um, in sales, sales management. Ah. Um, but I do remember when it happened and my mom has always been a huge UFO alien freak and she mm-hmm. sent me like newspaper clippings of it. And, um, interestingly enough, uh, the 20th anniversary happened back in February of this year. Right. And I was at the UFO Congress in Fountain Hills, Arizona, which is right outside of Phoenix. So there was a buzz about it. Um, Dr. Lynn Keetai, I don't know if you know who she is. She's authored a, a book about it and has been on television talking about especially the 20 year anniversary. Um, and she's a full on expert about it. And I ended up running into some Phoenix local residents at the conference as it was not far from, uh, from Phoenix. Nice. Talked about it and, and, uh, would tell you detail after detail about what they saw and all the criticism that they took as well. You know, I actually had the chance to see that live when I was a boy. Really? Right with my father, yes. My dad has always been a huge believer. And, you know, I always thought, here's all the evidence we need. Here's a mass sighting, yet no one is going to believe this. And my question was, my next question was, are we going to need another mass sighting? And will the public just ignore it yet again? Um, you know, what's interesting also is that the identical same phenomenon, pretty much the identical same craft was seen in Russia at the exact same time. And nobody talks about that either. But it did happen on the same day, same event, same kind of craft, um, same kind of uh, voyage that this craft took, you know, very slow, uh, very slow trek over a densely populated area with perhaps hundreds of thousands of witnesses. Uh, over 10,000 people either caught it on video or got a snapshot of it. Um, and it happened in Russia also. And nobody's talking about that either. Nobody's really talking about the blue beings at the UFO conference that happened to me. Yeah. Um, it didn't just happened to me. It happened to over 20 people. There's over 20 witnesses to this. Yeah, let's talk about that, by the way. Um, okay. You yeah, want me to just start from the top. Yeah, let, let's start from there. Let's get right into this. These blue people you saw. Very okay, unusual. And, you know, what's interesting is you said you'd heard about it at the Conscious Life Expo. Yes. Um, Jason Quitt. I don't know if you know who Jason Quitt is. Yes. He also wrote a book with another gentleman. Bob Mitchell. Bob Mitchell, who passed. And Bob, me and Bob were going back in emails about these abductions through the astral plane. So that that's how I know him, and I did interview him, but I haven't I haven't interviewed Jason Quit though. Oh, he's a good interview. Um, his website is the Crystal Sun, thecrystalsun dot com. Um, he's into crystal healing. Um, mm-hmm. he's a practitioner of it. But anyway, he was at that Conscious Life Expo. I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but he said he was at some kind of one of those Conscious Life Expos or Awareness Expos where somebody asked Travis Walton about the blue beings and Travis Walton besides me was one of the key witnesses at this event and he will not talk about it at all 
And I, I, I know why he doesn't want to talk about her, at least I'm going to speculate, is because uh, he had death threats back in the late 70s, early 80s about talking about his abduction out in Arizona back in 1975. And I just think that he's he's old and he doesn't want to deal with it anymore. Uh, but anyway, right. Jason quit. Uh, I was interviewing him on, on my show and he had mentioned that Travis mentioned that he had heard about it. Um, but his girlfriend, Audrey Hewins, who puts on the Starborn Support um, Experience or Speak UFO conferences and she has for five years straight, that's his girlfriend. Um, she will speak about it at length because she and I have been on um, multiple radio shows talking about it uh, either independently or together. So let me let me go back to the beginning. So it was mm-hmm. August 28th of 2015. I'm the opening speaker at the Experience or Speak 4 conference in Portland, Maine at the Fireside Inn Hotel Resort. And um, I, the best part about experiencers speak, what does that imply, is that most of the attendees are experiencers. So bare minimum, they've seen a UFO or they've been abducted their whole lives like me and everything in between. So I'm going to do a seance as I am an international metaphysical minister, Reiki master instructor. I want to tap into all this energy that's in the room. So I get everybody to hold hands and... We do a breathing regiment. We do a chimney sweep of our chakras. We surround ourselves individually and collectively, collectively with the godlight. And once, once we've cleared the room of any lower energy, then I invited archangels or more specifically arch aliens, because in biblical texts, they all appeared in physical form to join us in our congregation. And they are Enoch, Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, I invite them to join us in our congregation. And then I say that, believe it or not, E.T. is in the room with us right now. They're just vibrating at a higher frequency and we can't see them with the human naked eye. But I can teach people and I can teach people how to traverse their body, mind, spirit, raise their vibration to a higher frequency and look into these extra dimensional realms that coexist right on top of us. And then I say, Raise your hand if you can see E.T. And about four people out of 89 people rose their hand. And ironically, those were four of the key witnesses besides myself. And then I said, so here's my goal. Before the end of this conference, somebody who has never achieved contact before will achieve contact for the first time. And or somebody that walks in multiple worlds, as do I, will achieve contact unlike ever before in their life. So the first day expires. Nothing happened. The second day expires almost completely with the exception of who? The keynote speaker, Travis Walton. And right before we're about to play his DVD and then go into his uh, question and answer period afterwards, four beings, two with blue skin, not of this earth, walk in through the double doors and they walk up to me out of everybody there and ask me, are you the one that we pay to see Travis? And I say, no, let me go find Audrey who puts on the conference. I find her twin sister, Debbie. And Debbie finds her sister, Audrey, and then Audrey pulls them into light because we had uh, just dimmed the lights because we're about to watch the DVD. And uh, the two blue beings, one was male, one was female, they start arguing about the money in front of her. And they didn't understand the whole concept of money, a paper, a paper monetary system. They didn't understand it. And they start basically arguing with her in, in front of her. Um, and, and Audrey's like, Hey, 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 just, if you give me four of those and they did not even have enough money, Michael, they didn't even have enough money, but she said, if you give me four of those, I'll let you in the conference. So, um, and then when she pulled them in the light and took their money and 
that's when she noticed that they had blue skin. So then she starts looking for telltale signs of body art, of paint, body paint. Yeah. She's looking at their faces, you know, looking for facial contortions, crow's feet, facial lines, uh, laugh lines, anything like that, because paint will bunch and start to crack around facial lines, True. even just any kind of lines in your skin. Right. She doesn't see any signs like that at all. Then she starts looking at their hair follicle because paint will bunch around your hair follicles, especially when it starts to dry and then it'll dry and crack. Right. She didn't see any signs like that either. So then after that, um, she gets their money. She, you know, she took a good look at them and knew something was up. And then after that, get this, she blacked out until the next day. She completely forgot about it. Uh, mm-hmm. the blue beings then walk up to Travis and pick up his DVD and his book and start asking him questions and stuff. And they said, uh, Travis, we came to see you. And he said, well, how are you enjoying the conference? They're like, well, we, we just got here. So a little bit of small talk. And then they went and sat down. Um, and where did they sit? They sat right in front of me. And then when the conference was over, they got up and there's, there's four of them total, two with the blue skin. Uh, and so now let me explain to you what they looked like. So let's call the leader. His name was Don. That's what he told Audrey that his name was Don. And he said, my name is Don because you won't be able to pronounce my real name. And to me, he didn't have a name. He had a vibration frequency signature and advanced extraterrestrials. They don't have a spoken name. They have uh, a vibration frequency signature and that is their name. So that's what I believe him to be. It was so advanced that he didn't actually have a spoken name. But anyway, uh, they walk up to me and Don, their leader, was about my exact physical dimensions. He was 5'9", about 160 pounds, um, wearing a flannel shirt, um, a ball cap that resembled more of a fishing hat, pulled curiously low over his eyebrows crown to, to shield his face, script glasses, flannel shirt, jeans, white sneakers. Then the other blue being... And this is, this is a trip right here is that a lot of the witnesses saw the two bling, two blue beings, one as a male, one as a female. Um, the second group of people did not see the female. They saw two males. So what I think is that the second blue being shape shifted from a female into a male. Uh, for what reason? I cannot be sure. I can only go by the witness testimony. The majority of the witnesses I know only saw four males, not a female. Yeah. Uh, but Audrey, and her sister Debbie and Travis Walton saw the female. So, you know, put put that in your pipe and smoke it. I, I don't know exactly how to explain that. I know. Uh, you really can't. Uh, you, I guess you had to have been there to see this, to see, yeah. see these, these uh, extraterrestrials, I guess you could say. Yeah, and so there's a whole lot to the story. It will take too long to tell the whole thing, but also I'll cut to the chase. Um, so the second blue being that I saw was a male. He was about six foot one or two, blonde hair. Blue eyes, hair parted on the side, definitely blue skin, um, wearing a hoodie, shorts, and sneakers. Uh, the third one looked just like Jason Martell, who's on Ancient Aliens quite a bit. I don't know if you know who he is. Of course, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. He looked just like Jason Martell, except his eyes were black. He had no whites in his eyes whatsoever. He had these two huge, black, dispassionate, lifeless spheres in his eye orbits. I've never seen anything like it in my entire life, ever. Never since, ever before or since. Um, and then the, the fourth one was maybe four foot eleven, curiously short, bald head, no facial hair, except for a Fu Manchu, just like the ancient Egyptians would have, extending maybe four or five inches down from the bottom of his chin, 
tight fitting sunglasses, white cutoff t-shirt, um, jeans and moccasins. And the one that looked like Jason Martell was wearing like, um, like he was working out shorts, t-shirt, sneakers, um, all of complected looked just like Jason Martell. It was just a trip. Um, so they, after the conference is over, they walk up to me and Don starts talking to me and he points out the one that looks like Jason Martell. And he says, then this is so odd. He said, that is, that's my son. And he was with his stepfather who was drugging him. Now this will come into play here in just a minute. Um, and now he's in my custody and I'm, I'm telling him, well, you know, I'm, I'm happy that you have your son back in your life and he's with his real father and you can nurse him back to health and get him off all the drugs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then, uh, he starts looking at my Yahweh, the biblical God is an alien book. And I'm starting to pick up on something strange, but he's blocking me. I can tef- definitely feel he's blocking me with what I would call the Jedi mind trick. Mm. He's not allowing me. He's not allowing me to acknowledge right off the bat that he's an extraterrestrial. Um, and so I'm trying to sell this guy my book. And that was part of the reason I was there to sell my Yahweh book. Right. And I'm showing him the book. I put it in his hand. I, I shake his hand. I'm touching the guy. He was just as real as I am talking to you right now on this show. Um, and then a group of people started to surround us. And a former psychic of the year in Canada, his name is R. Keith Andrews. He walks up. And right when I started to figure out that this guy had blue skin and that he was an extraterrestrial, um, imagine that long distance stare into the eyes of a human alien hybrid looking ET and you finally figure out that you're looking at an extraterrestrial. That moment in time took a million eons and I can remember looking in his eyes and him telepathically sending back to me that he knew that I finally figured it out. And right around that time, our Keith Andrews walks up and says, you have blue skin. Are you from the Pleiades? <laughs> and he's, and he said, and this is in front of a group of witnesses. And he said, yes, I'm a shifter and I'm a healer. And then Keith said that he had run into a Martian or, or what you would call a Martokian. So what's a Martokian? Uh, Mars is Mars. Mars. Yes. If you live on Mars, you're, you're a Martokian. Mm-hmm. It's also called Martok. And so he tells Don that he ran into a Martok a couple of years ago or Martokian. And Don, it totally piqued his curiosity. He started going, who, what, when, where, why, and how, as if, as if that Martian was against violating some kind of uh, prime directive that he wasn't allowed to be on our planet or something. And anyway, so a group of people started surrounding us, and Keith and his wife gave him a big hug. And uh, right around that time, I have my cell phone in my hand. And, and Don, meanwhile, you have to understand, he is within three inches of me the entire time this whole thing is going on. And I'm about to pick up my phone. It's in my hand. And be real rude about it and just start taking pictures of him without even asking him. And this is going through my mind. And right when I'm about to do it, the one that looks like Jason Martell, the one that supposedly drugged by his stepfather, walks around in front of me, in front of my table to pull my attention away from Don. And he looks at me in my eyes and I look at him in his deep, dark, black, black hole of eyes in in this void and these two eye orbits in his head. And he looks at me and I look at him and I'm, I'm thinking, Oh my God, this, this is an extraterrestrial. And then he goes, the Anunnaki, the Anunnaki, the Anunnaki, the Anunnaki, the Anunnaki, almost like he was Rain Man, almost like he had some form of autism. And oh my, I believe that that triggered, uh, the alien anesthesia, the, um, 
Jedi mind trick. Cause right then I completely and totally froze in my tracks with my phone in my hand right before I was about to take these pictures. And right after that, the, the other blue being can see Don getting way too loose. People are hugging him and stuff. And, um, and the other blue being is like, we have to go. We have to go. We have to go now. And then they left. And I had every intention of following them into the parking lot to see if they jumped in a minivan or <laughs> yes. into a spaceship or something. And none of us followed him out of the room. None of us. We all froze. All of us. Um, one of the other key witnesses, his name is Ron Sharfy, is an IT guy from New Jersey. He was doing videography on the conference and he came up with the, the postulation that the Anunnaki, the Anunnaki, the Anunnaki was actually a trigger mechanism to enable the Jedi mind trick to take effect on me and others that were in proximity. And that actually made a whole lot of sense because I've, I've told this and it's not a story. I've told this reality before probably over 300 or more times on different shows and people will question, well, why didn't you take a picture? Why didn't you take a picture? And my number one comment on that is unless you have actually been abducted and frozen in a state of paralysis in your abduction syndrome, you, you, you can't explain it to somebody. You just can't, you, you cannot explain what it is like to be abducted and what it is like to be frozen in a state of paralysis in the middle of your abduction. Yes. It's a very, wild story and lots of people actually saw these people there actually at this conference talking to Travis Walton and I, I assume now his girlfriend correct yeah oh yeah mm -hmm. yeah um, among many others but yeah absolutely yeah so this isn't just some wild goose chase this actually happened it did and then when I was at the UFO Congress in February they had experiencer get-together meetings which and I absolutely love to go to those kind of meetings because I, I really enjoy the shock value of blowing people's minds. You know, I'm not making anything up. I'm only telling these actual real life occurrences that have happened to me. And, uh, you know, I don't do it just to get a charge out of it for the shock value alone. I, I just like to share my story. I like to share what has happened to me and also put people in a comfortable place to know that it's OK to talk about it. Oh, yeah. But anyway. So there's probably 90 or more people in this room, a small room. Uh, there's people standing because there was no more chairs left. And I get up and I start telling the blue being story. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize this, but one of the witnesses happened to be in the crowd. And about halfway through the story, I'm looking out and I can see about half the people. You can tell by their nonverbal and the way they're looking at you. About half of them, I felt like they totally believed me. And the other half, I felt like, they didn't believe me at all. Right. But this one guy named Lee Hazel, who was at the conference, who saw them himself, he stood up and I didn't even see him in the room. It was so crowded. And I didn't even know he was there. And he corroborated my story. Mm. And now everybody in the room is believing now, everything, yes. <laughs> everything that we said. And, and all of a sudden the whole experiencers meeting turned into Lee and I fielding questions from all these people that had these very good questions. And then another witness stood up and her name was Sandy Clevin. She's a psychic who uh, owns a horse farm out in California. She stood up and talked about it also briefly. So this was sweet vindication in my life to, you know, be at an experiencers meeting and I didn't even see either one of them. And then they start saying, you know, Hey, yeah, we were there and it happened. I mean, nothing makes you feel better than when you have witnesses. Oh yes. To something like that. Absolutely. Oh yes. And, Believe me, I, I know what that's all about. 
having others to, uh, I guess you could say, swing for you, uh, or bad for you rather. And, um, looking at the time here, I don't want to hold you up too long here, John. Do you well, still? We're, we're good, man. Oh, we're still good? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I, I did want to go into human origins with you before I let you go here. Sure. Sure. Let's do it. So you believe the Anunnaki created man, correct? Um, among other, uh, what I call creator alien gods, but yes, I do believe so. And who created them? That is a brilliant question. Um, according to Linda Moulton Howe, and this is only according to her, that praying mantis will compartmentalize a universe and have like 400,000 different species of hominid like intelligent sentient beings and a number of these sentient beings that are more evolved than the others will be the creator alien gods so according to her the praying mantis created the anunnaki who created us now do i believe that i i i'm 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 not exactly sure if i do but what one thing i do believe is that no matter who the creator is there's always a greater creator you know what I'm saying? Until yeah, you that's... get up to source. Until you get to source. So uh, what's the most important race on this planet? Well, it's the human race. Right. And it's it's the race that we are all a part of. I don't care what religion you are, what color your skin is. We all come from the same source. But so so let's say the Anunnaki fashioned us in their likeness. Uh, supposedly, if you go according to Zechariah Sitchin and other Mesopotamian ancient Babylonian texts that um, they mix their own genetics with Neanderthal man and fashion the model human, which is us today. Um, I do believe that there is some truth in that. Yeah. Uh, if, not, if not total truth in that um, it's in multiple texts, even the Aztecs have a similar text. They don't do it in the context of them being Anunnaki, uh, but they have the same kind of, of text and context. Same thing, um, actually the, uh, let's see, the son Bushman believed that they were made by a praying mantis. You know, that'd be frightening if we really were. Uh, yeah, there, you know, so like I said, you know, if the, if the Anunnaki is our creator, then who's their creator? And right. if, who created the Anunnaki, then who's the Anunnaki's creator? I believe you can just keep going up and up and up and up. And that's where it gets real gray and fuzzy because I definitely don't have all of the answers. I don't think anyone truly does, John. It's just no, fun to speculate. It, it is fun. It is fun. And, uh, you know, I have a bunch of educated guesses. And what does that translate to? Educated guesses. <laughs> so. well, I mean, that's really what we get down to. No one exactly knows for sure. No one has solid, tangible evidence of that. It's kind of the way it no. goes. And, you know, here on this program, I talk a lot about end time revelation and uh, alien deception and so forth and so forth. Do you believe we are in end times or do you even believe that there will be an end times? Um, you know, I, I believe that as above, so below. So you, you look at the current state stasis of our planet, um, cultural unrest. You know, it was an election year. You know, uh, I think Hillary was a worse option than Trump. I don't believe either one of them was any good, to be quite honest with you. They're both part of the cabal or the NWO. Um, in my opinion, most of our elected officials around the world are Draco, human Draco reptilian hybrids. Um, and they're not, not 
even close to wanting to let go of their stronghold on this planet. Um, so is there an end days? Um, it is a good question. And I tell you what I do believe is that ET has a vested interest in this planet, not going through a nuclear Holocaust for a number of reasons. Um, the number one reason is for them. There are over 1000 bases on this planet minimum, and there are extra dimensional bases, a lot of which can only be, um, can only be found through the oceans. So if we destroy this planet, we destroy the advanced extraterrestrial stargate into extra dimensional realms. And they do not want that to happen. You know, with Chernobyl and a number of other nuclear meltdowns, those meltdowns could have, should have been much, much worse, but they weren't. Yeah. Parts of the Soviet Union should have been dust for, for perhaps three to 500 years minimum. Mm -hmm. uh, ET has a vested interest in this planet surviving. And I do believe we would have gone to World War III a long time ago if it wasn't for them superseding uh, our stupidity by our elected officials. My goodness, do you see any hope for us here in America? Uh, you know, I, I have to always cling to hope. I'd like to as well. However, it seems like there's chaos nonstop anywhere you turn uh, any side of the globe. You, we just see nonstop violence and chaos ensuing all over. Um, you know, most humans on this planet do not have running water in their home. Most That's humans much, on this yes. planet do not have an indoor sanitation system for bathroom. You know, I mean, we take it for granted so bad in the United States. You know, we, we really just have no clue how the majority of the world actually lives. We don't. Most of the world lives in third world country conditions, and we're really blind to it. Oh, yes. I don't live very far from the Mexican border. I don't have to travel very far to see poverty right in front of me. Uh, well, there you go, brother. Mm -hmm. It's terrible, yes. Oh, yes. I think if only people could see the way the other half lives, it's pretty much the end times for them. Now, we were talking about Mars not so long ago. It seems like Elon Musk wants to go out there. Do you even think that's going to happen? They keep pushing back these dates. Um, you know what I believe is that there are over 50 breakaway civilizations, in other words, secret space organizations, that the monster multi-billion dollar conglomerates already have space stations out there. Correct, are, yes, but are they going to publicize that to us? Oh, no. That's what I'm talking about. We've been on Mars for a very, very, very long time. Um, according to John Lear, and this is according to John Lear, and I believe him, that we were mining the moon for helium three back in 1962. So that redefines absolutely everything. Um, you got to figure D Glock was created by the Nazis back in the early forties. What was D Glock? It was a time machine. I believe that they, it was a space time vehicle, a trans dimensional space time vehicle. And they found a way to, to, uh, travel to the moon and to travel to Mars in relatively no time period. It's funny you say that because I was just talking to Dr. Richard Allen Miller, who's going to be a guest, uh, this coming Saturday, if I recall correctly. He talked about time travel and going to Mars already. So yes, I, it's very interesting once we get into that, that topic of conversation. 
Because then that's when lots of people out there listening become completely skeptical. Yeah, you know, before Werner von Braun died, he admitted that he had help from extraterrestrials. He came out and said it. So did Boyd Bushman of Lockheed Martin before he died. So did Ben Rich of Lockheed Skunk Works before he died. All these monster defense contractors, uh, rocket scientists. Yes. Have come out and talked about this when? Right before they died. Why? Because they would have been killed if they talked about it uh, when they were younger. Um, why would they talk about it right before they die? Because it was important to them to tell the truth and they'd been sitting on the truth for decades and it bothered them. And, uh, they did it as a service to all of us, actually. Yeah. And you know, I, I would like to say, I hope no one out there doesn't think those thousands of German scientists and engineers and technicians didn't already know something we didn't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, they brought the knowledge of how to back engineer, not even back engineer, but how to engineer time travel. These guys had came yeah, over here. These guys had secrets. They knew oh, something. They did. And when Werner von Braun came over here, NASA was really a front for what they were really, really doing. Yes, it's all very interesting stuff. It's a Operation Paperclip for those who are curious and want to look more into that. For sure. There's lots of great books out there on the subject. There is. There's a wealth of information. So, you know, of course, listen to this show, but do your own research on this oh, also. Yes. Always do your own research. Yeah, there's plenty of information that is easily attainable on this subject from multiple sources. Now, John, I also recall hearing you say you can channel UFOs and make them appear. I also had a friend who can do the same, and I was always skeptical of his claims. However, he managed to do this um, a number of times with several groups of friends of mine, and now I am a believer. However, this guy changed so much. He now is this um, ultra-conservative Christian man all of a sudden, and there's nothing wrong with that. However, this was a, a very wild character, and for him to have this whole 360 uh, shift there in his paradigm was just astonishing to uh, see for myself, really. And now I can't get him to talk about any of these things. It's kind of disappointing. Uh, yeah. So can I do it on command, on demand? Mm, I, I wouldn't be confident. You know, if somebody just called me out on right. it and said, okay, let's go out in the backyard and, mm -hmm. you know, let's see a UFO. Eh, it, it doesn't work like that with me. Um, can I do it? Sometimes. Sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. But I tell you what, when I was in Joshua Tree, it happened pretty easily. That's for sure. But I also believe I was in the middle of a vortex. When you are a medium, and I believe you're a medium also, a lot of, a lot of your listeners are mediums at least to a lesser degree and they don't even realize it. Yeah. A medium also implies that you're a vortex. So you place a vortex inside the vortex and then the vortex opens up exponentially. Um, so when I was, to that, yes. so when I was in Joshua tree, I did it a couple times in front of a, a number of different people and it worked. Um, I I've had limited success. I live right outside of Disney world in Orlando, right in the middle of the city. So it is not very easy, easy <laughs> to do here because I live in the middle of the city. Everything's yeah. washed out in the sky anyway. Um, but out West in the middle of that vortex, it was much easier to do and achieve immediate results, that's for sure. Yeah, there's something there, John. And before I 
had gone out there to the contact in the desert, I had said on this very show, if I don't see anything in the sky or experience anything, then I'm completely done with this, then I'm never going to do the show again. Really? Yeah, I, I said that on the show, and, and I meant it, too. I 100% meant it. I was going to quit doing this and continue on my life and put this behind me. However, I saw something in the sky, and something manifested in the room, and I wasn't alone in the room. So, a shared experience is always one that will always defeat anything else, and um, anyone else who is skeptical about it and tells me that this was a false memory, I will have to politely disagree with you. I don't think this was a false memory at all. I believe it happened. However, I have no answer, and I like to consider myself a, a rational-minded human being. But I, I don't have—I don't have the answer to what what the hell that was, John. Um, but you will agree with your own self that it was something unexplained. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. But it was something. It was something, right? And you had witnesses. Yes. Uh, so you know, just you know, put that in your back pocket and hold. Hold on to it and just know in your mind that it was something real and you take from that what you want to take from that. And it, it's, it's something personal to you that you can hold on to forever and it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks. And that's how I'm going to keep it for sure, John. It was very special. And by the way, I, I just recalled there is another man who was claiming to have the ability to summon UFOs. Um, his name was Prophet Yahweh, which is funny that you know, we're, we're talking about that here. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar you with remember him. Oh. Yeah. You, you recall. I do. The Las I Vegas do. man. Yes. Um, he's gotten a lot of bad press actually. Mm-hmm. Um, what's my personal opinion on him? Sure. I don't believe him at all. You don't believe him. You think he's just pulling your leg, pulling everyone's proverbial leg. I believe so. Ah, but, but mm-hmm. you know what? I've had people say that about me. So if if I'm wrong and it ever can be proven, then I'll be the first one to say I'm wrong and I'm sorry. I hear you. I understand. Now, John, I do want to thank you for being a part of the program. There's lots more to discuss. However, I do feel like I could bring you on again, and we can get into all sorts of different things. I would love to uh, touch base with you again in the near future, John. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my house is haunted. I'm, I'm a ghost hunter. I mean, we haven't even really talked about any of that. Yeah, there, there's so much yeah. more to get into. Yeah, and I have at least a minimum of 24 hours of material. So, yeah, I mean, I, I we could do volume after volume after volume. Oh, I love that. Volume. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be fun. That'd be yeah. a great time. But, John, I, I like I said, I do want to thank you for sharing your time with all of us here this evening um, go ahead and plug your website. And also, um, I'm curious, do you have another book perhaps in the works? Uh, you know what? I'm actually in the process of attempting to sell my house. So all of my spare time. Ah, yes. yes. Yeah. I, uh, this here's my here's my mission is to sell everything I have, pack everything I can into my SUV mm-hmm. and drive out west and just start and break up with my beautiful, loving girlfriend and just move out west and start my life over again. Wait, what? Rewind. What did you just say? <laughs> I'm going to sell my house, sell all my stuff, pack everything I can into my SUV and drive out west and start my life over again. Um, and No, and no. I, I heard you say something. Oh, you're going to break up with your girlfriend? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, 
perhaps it's a positive thing. I talk about uh, that sort of thing on the program all the time. Uh, friends and family, sometimes they weigh you down without you even realizing it. Sometimes you have to cut that dead weight out of your life. And, you know, she blames herself. And I'm like, you know, I am guilty of my own choices. You are never wrong ever in any way. It's always been me. I could have broken up with you a long time. I haven't even seen her kids in two and a half years. Put it that way. Oh, my. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't, I love her with all my heart. I don't have a future with her. I'm really just hanging on by heartstrings. I understand. You need to get out of Florida. Yeah. And the only way to leave her, if I broke up with her and lived here, it would torture me every day. Oh my. Yes. You've come to a realization that many are afraid to. And I admire your courageousness. Yeah. Well, I haven't done it yet. <laughs> well, I mean, you're going to, you're showing all the intent to yeah, executing talked, that plan. I've talked to her about it, and I, and I, I don't think she's, she's not taking me seriously. Mm, I see. So, yeah, so anyway, I, I understand. I, a, lot of, a lot of guilt associated with that also. Well, that's, you know, all part of life. However, your, your, your uh, mental state is, is very important, your mental health. Always remember that, John. You always got to take care of yourself first. You're right. And you know, who called exactly when I first started talking about her? Ah. The, those synchronistic kind mm. of. You know, John, that's all part of my I, life as well, those synchronicities. Yeah. Yeah. The universe loves to throw signs in my face nonstop. <laughs> if it's, yeah, if it's not TV, then it's through music. I'm with you, brother. It happens yeah. to me all the time. Yeah. See, there's so much more to talk about here. Of course, I'll respect your wishes here, John, and I'll let you go, and I'll have to bring you back on again for round two. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Michael, and uh, end of days. Uh, great interview. Great questions. Thank you, John. We'll touch base again in the near future. All right. Uh, send me a link when you have a chance. Oh, I will. No problem. <laughs> All, right. All right. God bless. All right. You too, brother. Take care. Bye. And that was my guest, John Polk. Great guest, right? I had fun. I hope you had fun, too. If you're listening to this on a replay, keep in mind you can listen every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's 11 p.m. Eastern Time, live on the TuneIn Radio app. If you enjoy this program and want to help fund this project, go to michaeldeacon.com. This program completely depends on its listeners. That means you sitting there listening. Share this with your family and friends. They might like it. I'll make my return this Friday night with John David Oates. I'm Michael Deacon. Thank you for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. Sherry. Thanks to the Illuminati, yeah, we won't go into behind them, but the Illuminati certainly is part of the whole thing. The top members of the Illuminati are open I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. Like you can just see it. It's clear. <laughs> appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Holden right now. It's crazy. I had no idea this shit existed before 726. I'm going to be real. A lot of good content. A lot of cool topics. You know, I, I feel, you know, fortunate to have an opportunity to speak to you guys tonight. There he is.
guys are you guys are really big. Yeah, Mr. Rusev, that son of a bitch. I do not like that man. It's the simplest shit. You go in there, you see the bartender, you say, "What the fuck do you have in your pocket? What the fuck are you gonna be smoking tonight about midnight?" That's what I want. Just have to tell you both, you're both incredibly well-rounded. Introducing the greatest tag team on the radio. Guess what, motherfucker? Successfully, at least. Flawless victory.